Hello, this is Lisa Tomey Zonneveld, your host from Prolific Pulse Press, LLC. I'd like to welcome today Reginald Gerald, who goes by Reggie. He has worked as a television news reporter, a newspaper reporter, a pre freelance columnist, a college instructor, and assistant professor, a substitute paraeducator, and an attorney under civil and criminal law. He has also worked as a shoe sales clerk and janitor. An ordained minister with several college degrees, Gerald writes essays, memoirs, children's books, and television film screenplays. He enjoys traveling, reading, film, and current events, as well as theater. His family consists of his wife, Kenitha, two sons and one daughter, six grandchildren and one small dog. He has lived in California, Illinois, Kansas, Iowa, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Oklahoma, and is currently residing in South Central Kansas. Well, Reggie, welcome so much to our podcast today. It's such a thrill to have you here today. I have read your book twice. Um, I really appreciate your sending me the copy. It's absolutely amazing. I it just it really touches the heart to what happens, you know. Because me being a white person, I don't know what it's like to be black. I don't know. I've always looked up to black kids in school. I wanted to be them. And I had no idea what their lives were like, but like you growing up when you started out growing up, didn't even really recognize about race. I was a military kid. And so that helped too. Um, but as life went on for you, it looks like things started showing up more in kind of terms of black and white and in between. So tell us about your story. Um, you know, how did you come up with the idea of this book? Well, I must give credit to my wife, Kanitha. What was going on at that time, 2016, if I remember correctly, the year, we were awaiting the birth of our first two grandchildren. Our oldest son and his wife was expecting a daughter. And our youngest, our daughter, was expecting with her husband, uh, their first son, within three days. And my wife says to me, Reggie, you ought to write something so that your grandchildren know something about you. And that's where it started because she indicated that, well, there are a lot of things that we, meaning the family, don't know about you, many things that we haven't talked about, especially with the children. So how could the grandchildren know those stories if the children and if my wife didn't even know those stories. So that's what prompted it. Yes, I should write something. So uh, the grandchildren were born three days apart and I started to reflect, meaning from the standpoint, okay, all right, well, what, what type of message do, or messages do I want to leave with them? Meaning from the standpoint, thinking in terms that they would not read my book until all being a young adult or young adult. That's what I'm thinking. 20s, 30s, maybe 40s when they finally get around to read the book, that type of thing. I'm thinking, okay, by the time they read the book or understand what I'm trying to say, 
I might be gone. I probably won't be here. So again, what lessons, what things would I want to leave with them, thinking in terms of they, uh, uh, we never had these types of conversations. And then when they meet some of the challenges and barriers and difficulties about life, well, again, I'm thinking in terms of my own grandparents and great-grandparents, and we didn't talk about those types of things. I, my great-grandfather served in World War I, and um, he lived in Muskogee, Oklahoma. My point being, when I would ask him questions about that, he didn't want to talk about it. He would not share those experiences. So it is just kind of like, all right, now I'm thinking in terms of, again, my grandchildren growing up to young adults or becoming adults and thinking in terms of, well, what, what types of things, what types of suggestions, what types of advice could I leave with them, meaning through my words. So that, again, I must give credit to my wife. Uh, uh, Reggie, why don't you write something so your grandchildren would know something about you? Well, I'd like to express gratitude to your wife as well for encouraging you to write this book. And, um, you know, I would highly recommend it. Uh, one of the projects that I'm working on with um, Gardner Neuro and is um, we're doing the talk. It's a book. It's an anthology. And it's all about the talk that's necessary, unfortunately, uh, beyond the talk that I, as a white parent, would have with my child. I have one kind of talk you know, about, you know, the safeties, about when you leave the home and all of that. But the talk with a Black family is different. You know, in light of what's going on in the world, if we, if we deny that there's a, not a talk necessary, I, you know, I would really wonder about that. Um, so that's the project we're working on. Actually, we're going to be having an open mic about it this week. Um, we're trying to get some more people to write some stories. Um, your book has a lot of stories that give that talk. Yes. Your grandkids are going to benefit from the talk that you have given in the story. If you were to sit down with, how old are your grandchildren now? Well, actually, my oldest two are six. Six. My youngest, uh -huh, my youngest is, let me get this straight. I want to say one, no, no, two. One or two. One or two. <laughs> I, I get confused. One or two. Uh-huh. Is the six-year-old um, at that? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a young age, but it's not in this day and age. Six is like the new nine or ten. It seems like. Um, do you feel like they are ready for the talk? No, unfortunately, no, no. no. They're they're not. They're still in that stage of innocence, mm -hmm. uh, trying to uh, navigate elementary school and peer pressure and so no they they, they um, no they're not not ready not, not ready for it yeah. yeah yeah i wonder about that i just kind of wonder about what is that age you know about the safety talk that we have when people leave the home mm -hmm. did your family have that talk with you no no not actually they my parents didn't however what happened was they were always very cautious about mm -hmm. my goings out and comings in and where I was going and with whom I was going places and those types of things. And, and at the time, I could not really understand 
why, okay, what's the big deal? I'm just going across town, the west side of town. I live in the Northeast, just to visit a friend. Well, well, they knew some things that obviously I didn't know, but, mm -hmm. but that, that's the way that uh, uh, they would, uh, I guess, put boundaries, if I could say it that way, on me, mm -hmm. meaning by just, why, why are you going over there? Or why can't you play over here? Or uh, don't stay too long. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I do remember my mother saying, um, I want to say I must have been preteen or young teen, um, mentioning the name of Emmett Till. And of course, I didn't know who Emmett Till was or what happened to him. But I do remember her saying something along the lines, be careful. Um, there is um, a young man, a young boy named Emmett Till that something bad happened to him. She didn't go into detail. Mm -hmm. She didn't tell the specifics. But I do remember her mentioning that name, Emmett Till. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now everybody knows. Everybody yes. knows and should know about this. Um, I'd like to think that we wouldn't have something like that today, but I'm not confident about that. So I think that that's important. It's timely to, to always be sharing our stories, doing these memoirs, sharing the words. I'm a big advocate of memoir. Um, I just published a book that has a lot of memoir in it. Um, it's, it's important to be out there talking. Um, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot about the talk, but it seems so applicable to your book. This is what happened in your life. Um, since the book has come out, how's that going for you as, as people's response to it? Going well, and I've been very pleasantly surprised because I didn't know. I mean, I, I, I wrote it for a specific audience, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and then our my publisher mentioned, well, um, I'm paraphrasing, but this is much bigger than just your family. You need to let people know your experience, share your mm -hmm. experiences with other people. People could learn from your experience. Yes. And I, again, when I was writing those essays, I wasn't thinking, I'm just thinking in terms of telling the truth. Um, obviously, when I was writing, uh, you go back and relive those experiences, and some of them were quite challenging and hard, and, and yes, you remember, and they may have been 15, 20, 25 years in the past, but the pain is still fresh once mm -hmm. you revisit those old wounds. Yeah. So I say that to say that it was a learning experience for me, meaning from the standpoint, okay, I'm writing this, I'm reliving this. What did I learn at the time? What can I learn now? And then what or how can I share that experience with the grandchildren, or again, as I mentioned, uh, as, as I said with the publishers mentioning that, well, this is much bigger than the family. Okay, thinking in terms of, okay, uh, what light would I like to shed on this subject to other folk who may have no idea that this mm -hmm. is what these types of things actually happen. And many of those stories, as I said, I had never even told my wife, meaning just that, uh, being embarrassed, yes, um, hurt, yes. Maybe I should have handled some of those experiences differently. But I'm saying that, well, I, I just kept, kept those things close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Not intending ever to really, well, share some of that with right. I just didn't. Mm -hmm. 
but again, when she mentioned writing to the grandchildren, and I wanted it to be, uh, as I said, honest and true and transparent, so that something that I might say today would help them tomorrow, meaning mm -hmm. just that, knowing that people exist at all extremes, meaning various streams of opinion and, and philosophies and theologies and so on and so forth. And well, uh, there are some people you need to be careful out there of. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's the world that we live in and there's nothing new. It's new to us, but there's nothing new. So again, I'm thinking in terms of, well, yes, if someone can benefit from my message, uh, in addition to the grandchildren, the family, well, that's what it's all about, meaning again, exactly. help understand. Mm -hmm. Now, are you still preaching? Yes, just just as as ask. Mm -hmm. I don't pastor. Uh, many years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I served as an interim pastor of a, a small Baptist church for about a year, maybe a year and a half, about a year, I'd say. Uh, but otherwise, just uh, when I'm invited, then I go and, and preach the word. Now, um, you're in Kansas, right? Yes. The Midwestern area, which is predominantly, I think, white. Um, I used to live in the Midwest, so I'm kind of familiar with, you know, the colors, uh, the skin out there, predominantly white. Um, and there was a lot around farm country in that, too. Um, I live in the South. Um, I used to live in the further South. I noticed the difference in the churches. I had never saw and noticed in the Midwest is you have the Black Baptist Church, then you have the White Baptist Church. You got the Black Funeral Home, and you got the White Funeral Home. I never noticed that. In the Midwest, it was everybody went everywhere together um, that I have experienced. And um, in your experience in Kansas, is it is it pretty integrated or is there a separation there? It depends. It depends. What I mean by that? Yes, there are those African-American funeral homes, and then there are those Caucasian funeral homes, and then there are sometimes I've noticed uh, within the last 10 to 15 years, sometimes there was a time that only I could say black families patronized the African-American funeral homes. Just, just mm -hmm. That was just a natural. That was just a given. Mm -hmm. But now I've noticed that's not the case often, meaning from the standpoint just that African-American customers are patronizing the Caucasian funeral homes. And as I said, 20, 25, 30, that would not have happened. Absolutely not. But I, I have seen that often, frequently. And it's been a very pleasant surprise to me when I've seen that meaning indicating progress. So, but in some instances, attending church. Well, some of those, those uh, insights or ideas are kind of hard to break I me mean, from the standpoint. There's, and don't get me wrong, there are a number of integrated churches and I attend one of those, but there are a number of, or again, the whole idea, well, this is the way we worship, when we, whoever we is, this is our style. This is the way we feel comfortable when we don't want to change or be open-minded to differences in worship styles. Uh, so I say all that to say is that still exists, meaning from the standpoint, yes, there are a number of integrated churches, but um, some churches 
or not. And um, well, again, uh, people go where they feel comfortable. That's, that's the bottom line. Right. But at the same time, unfortunately, well, that how can you learn if you don't open yourself up to other types of peoples, plural? How can, how can we learn? And we're all in this life together. Mm-hmm, for sure. that. And that's the way I like to put it, meaning just that. You never know. My mother once said to me that at some point, we all, everybody will need help from somebody. Mm-hmm. And you just never know who that person who can help you would be. And it may not be the person who looks like you or worships like you or whatever. Maybe it's very different. And as I said, if we have all of these barriers and challenges in front of us, whereas we have this narrow focus, whereas it's all about me, myself, and I, and how I perceive things, well, we don't open ourselves up to learning about other people. And then exactly. say, life, life is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Life is hard as it is for most people. Mm-hmm. I, won't say, I won't say all people, of course, but for most people, life is a, a challenge. And it cuts across, across all demographics and so on and so forth, those various challenges. Well, people are here to help us navigate those challenges. But as I said, they may not always look like you, look like us. Exactly. Well, I, I think it's really beneficial to read. I'm a I'm predominantly you know, a poetry lover, but I, I also, my other love is memoirs. And I think it's important to to get to the heart of the matter through those types of books, because you do learn more about the, the human condition and how people handle situations in their lives and what you got in common with one another too. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, we're not, you know, so different. So, so what's the big deal all about, you know, um, you know, but I, I was raised a different kind of way too. You know, like I said, I was a military race. So, you know, we were, we would have been in big trouble if we didn't have anything come out of our mouths. <laughs> we're negative, mm-hmm. like anything like that. But, um, but with poetry, like when we did social justice, um, social justice inks, you know, it helped me to hear, to feel the heart of people of other races. It really helped me to do that. And like, you know, some of the other books that, you know, books I read with, like um, Cheryl Jackson in her sister, uh, Loris Wallace books, uh, you know, the Sisters Rock and Rhyme, um, they have beautiful memoir type poetry books out there that really help me understand Black condition and you know, what it's like in this world outside of my skin. And I think that's real important. And 31 Days Nights is right there now on my list of recommendations. Um, I'm going to share my screen. I want to show people the website that this is on. For um, as I saw it's available a lot of places. Blue Cedar Press is your your press. Yes. People can go on there and order the book. I also saw that it's on a lot of the other um, retailer sites online. So um, really easy to pick up. Um, does it have an ebook? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. Yes. I like having the paper back in my hand, but there are a lot of e-readers out there, so it's good for people to know about. So, well, Reggie, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you would like to offer? Well, I would just like to emphasize that in reliving my experiences, 
I learned in some, well, many instances that perhaps I could have handled things differently or better. Or uh, if I had recognized my own voice, the power of my own voice. And uh, often I found myself being silent, uh, grinning and bearing it uh, in some of those situations that I did not speak up. But on the other hand, I felt that uh, as the scripture notes, there's a time to be, I'm paraphrasing, time to speak and a time to be quiet. And uh, often I have been on the quiet side, but at the same time, I recognize later in life that, well, I have a voice and we all have voices. And it's important to utilize your voice because again, uh, your voice may help somebody, may encourage someone, uh, be it family, friends, stranger. Uh, but again, if your voice is silent, well, again, someone else may have a message similar to yours, but will not have your message. And I try to encourage people to utilize your voice. All voices are necessary. Um, we, as a country, are powerful or most powerful when we listen to all the voices from various peoples. I'm using people's plural. Mm -hmm. And again, I would just like to encourage people to utilize their voices and at the same time emphasize another fact that we all have multiple stories to tell. Not just one, not just two but multiple stories. And people, again, can be helped, can learn, can be inspired, encouraged by your story or stories. But if Absolutely. we keep those stories to ourselves, then again, someone, someone just might be losing out. So uh, again, that would be my closing comment or thought, uh, just encourage people to utilize their voice or voices and at the same time, seek to encourage inspire other people. Thank you so much, Reggie. Wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I really appreciate your, your coming on. I am enriched by your words. I'm enriched by the words of your book. You have many blessings as you move forward, and I hope you have plenty of opportunities to share this word. I think people need to know it. Thank you very much for your interest. Thank you very much for having me on the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.